talking to God. And when we first started thinking about this and how to set up for our teaching this spring, we, we went through, uh, we just finished Daniel, and we thought, well, maybe we'll do the prayer of Daniel. There are whole books written about the prayer of Daniel. And it's an awesome prayer. Daniel repents for his nation. He, he seeks God's forgiveness, and he seeks God's deliverance. And there's a lot in that prayer. But as I read the book, a couple of the books on the prayer of Daniel, and as I really prayed about it, I really felt that God wanted more, that he wanted more. He wanted prayer, but he wanted more. It almost needed to be layered. It needed to be expanded and to go deep. And when I, I mocked up a little write-up and I gave it to Carol and Gia, and they were both feeling exactly the same thing. So we knew we were right on track with what God was telling us, and we're excited about it. I truly believe that most of us do not understand the depth of prayer that God calls us to. I can say this because I'm going to admit that I casually talk about prayer sometimes, and I have casually prayed. I pray for myself. <laughs> I pray for God's blessing. I pray for my family. And all of that, that's not bad. That's okay. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. Prayers mainly are centered. If you think about the amount of time you spend praying for yourself and your family and your problems, that's most of what our prayer time is. And um, that's, just, that's just not what God wants. Prayer is so much more. It has depth and breadth. It's like a living thing. It's like a life. It's understanding prayer and using it in all its reality will bring us life. It'll bring us spiritual life. And whenever we are right on in our spiritual life, it helps the whole rest of our life. It's kind of the way it works. We need prayer that we see in Scripture. We need Paul's kind of prayer. We need Jesus' kind of prayer. Kind of you can, I decided to call this all-in prayer. We need to be all-in to it. We need to give ourself to the kind of prayer that God is calling us to. This kind of prayer is what we need to understand and to practice daily. We need to practice it hourly, always. This is the kind of prayer God wants. In one of my lessons on Daniel, I mentioned that faith was a part of Daniel. It was part of his basic makeup. I called it DNA faith. And keeping in that analogy, when I was thinking about prayer, I decided prayer is like the lifeblood of our spiritual life. Without good blood in our body, we're not going to do well. At, at most, we're going to be weak and sickly. It, at the worst, we're going to be dead. And that's the same way our spiritual life is. Without real authentic prayer, we're not going to be healthy spiritually. We're not going to be able to live the kind of overcoming life that God wants for us. We're not going to be able to serve in his kingdom the way he effectively wants our lives to be. So what we need to grow and to flourish is to build up our prayer life. This kind of prayer will change you. It'll change your family. It'll change this church. It'll change your workplace. It will change the world. You know, revivals have started with a small group of people seeking the face of God. And if the women of this church, because women seem to influence more things. If any of the men listen to this, I'm sorry. But women seem to influence more things. If a woman changes, her family will change. 
If a woman changes, she can change a group. She can change her church. If we pray together the way God wants us to, we will bring change. We can change the world through prayer. Prayer is our most effective tool to bring about any type of change. So I probably need now a disclaimer, an apology, because some of you are saying, I have a great prayer life. I, you know, I'm already doing all that. And I'm not saying you aren't, and I'm not judging. It's just that I feel no matter where you are in your prayer life, no matter where you are in your walk, there's always a next step. God never says, okay, well, you've achieved, you've graduated, you have a PhD in spiritual life, and you don't need to study. God is, it, that isn't it. He always has a next step. So whether your next step is just consistently reading his word and praying every day, or it's to enter into a whole new realm of spiritual warfare and taking territory away from the enemy, or being an intercessor and really getting in there and praying for the needs, not just my needs and your needs and our individual family needs, but the needs of the nation, the needs of our state, the needs of the world, the needs of our church the needs of the people you don't even know in your neighborhood. That might be your next step. But even so, God has called us all to a next step. It's what he wants. In my spirit, I really feel that God is calling us to this spot. So our first, um, our first point, in your book on page four, <laughs> I forgot that, we all have, this is how we're going to do notes, no fill-ins. So... The first point is Jesus said we should pray. In Luke 18.1, it says, Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. And I thought that's a very simple little scripture. But if you really look at it, what it kind of says, if you kind of do it backwards, is if you don't pray always, if you don't seek God, you can lose heart. You can become discouraged. You wonder why you're discouraged? Maybe it's your prayer life. You wonder why you don't feel like an overcomer? Maybe it's your prayer life. Because Jesus says that if you pray, you won't lose heart. So that seems to be the secret to, to it. So just for fun, when I started preparing this, I Googled, what is prayer? I thought this will be interesting. <clears throat> and it was. It was very interesting. Some of them were just so nonsensical, it was ridiculous. You thought Dr. Seuss wrote them. But, um, but the one that I thought was actually the most comical was from Yahoo Answers. It says, prayers are requests by confusedly unworthy persons to have the laws of the universe repealed in their favor. And I thought, well, that's a thorough understanding of prayer. So none of us would agree with that. But to a non-believer, prayer is a mystery. They think we just, you know, that's because we're weak that it's because it's a ritual we just go through. There are lots of prayers offered every day to all kinds of deities and all kinds of small g gods, and none of them are effective. In, in um, Indonesia and places like that, they have prayer totems on the corners, and you can stand there and do whatever you do to it and chant your prayer. It, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. So what makes our prayer different? Well, that's really easy. We're praying to the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the one who holds it all together. It says that he holds the universe. He holds time from the beginning to no end in his hand. 
He holds eternity. So we pray to him. That's where we get our hope. That's what, and the most amazing thing about this, when you think of God, and you think of the God of the universe who created it all, who that this new discovery they have somewhere out in space didn't surprise him. He made it to begin with. Um, when you think of that and you think you pray to this God and he loves you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to be in his presence. He loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. The God of everything loves you individually. And he longs to have you in his presence. That is amazing. Oswald Chambers says the purpose of prayer is that we get hold of God, not an answer. When I thought about that, I thought, you know, if you take that apart a little bit, what he's saying, I think, is that we should not be praying just for an answer to our prayer, but to bring God into our situation and let him answer his answer, which is not always my answer, hardly ever my answer, by the way. You know, I used, my husband told me one time, he said, you do realize that when you pray for something, you pray for what it is, and then you tell God how to do it. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. And he says, yeah, you do. But, you know, we do that because we already have it all figured out. And we see one little thing, and we go, oh, that's, that's how God's going to answer that. And then it turns out not to be that way at all. And we stand back, and we go, wow, God answered my prayer. And then if you think about it, and you think, but that isn't really the answer I was praying for. But it's better. Jack Hayford states that prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God, working hand-in-hand hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. A partnership with God. The God we just talked about wants to partner with us. He wants me as his partner. That's amazing. Seems to me I'm more of a hindrance than a partner sometimes. But God wants to partner with you. And for what purpose? His redemptive purpose on earth. The main reason that God created us. The main reason, the reason Jesus came to die, God's redemptive purpose. And he wants us to partner on that. That is truly a calling. And if we catch sight of that, then it's got to generate, regenerate us. It's got to make us excited. The best explanation I found, however, was that prayer is the practice of the presence of God. It is the place where pride is abandoned, hope is lifted, and supplication is made. Prayer is the place of admitting our need, of adopting humility, and claiming dependence upon God. Prayer is a needful practice for the Christian. Prayer is the exercise of faith and hope. Prayer is the privilege of touching the heart of the Father through the Son. Prayer is a privilege. We can't take that lightly. It says that we, it, it builds our faith. When we pray to God, we're saying, you know, I know I can't do this. I know that you need to enter my situation. I know you need to enter the world's situation. I know that you know what's going on and I don't. And it gives us hope. Not a false hope, not a gee, I hope everything works out okay, but a hope that God is in charge because we know he is. So the next major point is, it is prayer that brings us into the presence of God. Isaiah 58, 9 says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. 
And I thought, once again, a simple scripture till you really look at what it means. I was up north for about 10 days, and five of those days I was watching the little six-year-old and the three-and-a-half-year-old all by myself. So I give all of you moms with little kids credit for getting them all out of the house at the same time, fully clothed. So it's just amazing to me how long it can take somebody to decide what shoes they're going to wear. But they absolutely want to make that decision themselves. So I thought, whew. But um, I was watching them, and um, the, we had dropped the six-year-old off at, at school, and the three-year-old and I came home, and I was downstairs in the kitchen cleaning up breakfast dishes, and she went upstairs to play, and all of a sudden I heard her, and she's, Auntie, Auntie, I need you. And I said, well, I'm right here, Steph. I'm right here, Kylie. I said, um, what do you need? And she goes, I need you. And I said, so you want me to come upstairs? Uh-huh. So I went upstairs, and when I read this, I thought, that's God. God's down there. We're like, God, I need you. And he goes, here I am. Here I am. Where do you need me? It's just that simple. In Hebrews, prayer has many aspects to it. We're told to pray throughout the Bible. So what, we're told to, what are we told to pray for? Better question is, are we told not to pray for something? No, we aren't. We aren't. I was very privileged to grow up in a godly home. And my grandmother was a very godly woman, and, and she, she just, I would be with her almost every day as my mom went to work and that. And, and I would watch her pray, and I would watch her praise God. And she told me at a very, very young age, sweetheart, you need to pray about everything because there's absolutely nothing in your life that God doesn't care about. It's not too small for him. He loves everything in you, and you need to pray about it. And I grew up learning to pray for tests at school, for homework, for, you know, math problems I couldn't figure out. And when I got to be an adult and I um, was working, I prayed before I went into meetings, before I did interviews. I prayed with myself. I mean, I prayed. I didn't hold a big service in the middle of the corporate <laughs> thing. But, you know, I, I learned that God loves me just like a mommy cares about their little kid and what shoes they want to wear. And, you know, what's the matter with them today? That's what God feels only 100,000 times more. He created us. He wants us to know, I'm here. What do you need? Hebrews 4.14 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. I really think that what this really means is that we need to be before the throne. We already need to have our place before the throne. And when we have a time of need, it won't take very much to go get in touch with God. If we're way off in the weeds somewhere and we've got to just, you know, build up all this stuff to get into the presence of God, it's not nearly as effective of already being there and just saying, okay, God, I need you. Because there's no formula to prayer. It's just a breath. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for you to rejoice. It is God's will for you to pray without ceasing. It is God's will for you to give thanks. Those are three very important things in prayer. And it's what God wants for us. 
God wants us to be in constant communication with him. My question is, how can we hear from God and be directed in our lives if we're not in communication with him? It's really hard to get directions if you're not talking to somebody. Even your, your little smartphones, you know, you, Google may know where you're going, but if you don't ask it, it's not going to spontaneously tell you. It's not going to go, oh, you're lost. I know where you're going. You know, <laughs> you have to actually ask it. And that's kind of the way God is. We're encouraged to pray for each other. And we're encouraged to ask for prayer. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, wrote the church of Thessalonica. And he said, brethren, pray for us. So we're not weak when we ask other people to pray for us. Because Paul even had people praying for him. Through prayer, we advance the, king, the territory of the kingdom of God. Through spiritual warfare, we can stand against the forces of the enemy and defeat him through prayer. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down the arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We do this through prayer. If you're going into battle and you're not praying, you're going to lose. But with prayer, we can defeat the enemy. Don't feel overwhelmed. You have the mightiest army ever at your disposal. And you usher them in through prayer. Jack Hayford in his book, Prayer is Invading the Impossible, states, Prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. His is the power. Ours is the prayer. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. And that's a mystery that God wants us. It takes us. <laughs> and, and I just thought, wow, God can do it. We can't. We just have to bring him into the situation. So our third point is God wants to dialogue with us. In Isaiah 118, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. It says, come sit down. Let us argue this out. This is God's message. If your sins are blood red, they will be white as snow. I thought that's kind of neat because God knows us so well. You know, he says, come. In the King James, it says, come let us reason together. Sit down here. We'll talk this out. You can argue with me if you want. It's okay. And I thought, because God wants this back and forth communication. He doesn't want this one way, I want, I want, I want. He wants to answer. We got to give him a chance to answer. He wants to talk to us. He wants to be us to be in his presence. He wants to be part of our life. He obviously could run the whole thing by himself. He created it. He can certainly keep it going. He could do whatever he wanted. He could, he could stop situations. He could remove things. He could do whatever he wanted. Over and over in Scripture, he sends us to carry out his plan. God gives direction, and we are to listen and obey. That is what prayer is about. You cannot partner with someone you never talk to or hear from. You need to know him. You need to listen to him. And most of, the, most of what he says to us is through the word of God. It's through the Bible. 
He directs. He tells us what truth is. And if we just read it, pray about it, listen. Psalm 6, um, this next, that's what we're going to study. We're going to study how to do that. And the, the first week, we're going to focus on Psalm 63. So I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, which is, I think, your first days. And it says, O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And I read that and I thought, is that the way I seek God? Do I wake up every morning longing for his presence to say, God, I need you. I don't feel you right now. I need you. Because if we seek him in that way, with our whole heart, longing to be with him and to hear from him, you know what? We're going to see him. We're going to experience his power. We're going to live in his glory. And that, to me, is the most awesome thing we could do. And that's what this study is about. And that's what these books are about, is they're going to help us learn to just do that. So I would encourage everyone to do it every day, walk through it, and, um, and just, you know, that will be great. And I, I wanted to say, I should have said at the beginning, um, most, of the, most of the ideas in this book are Gia's. And uh, God put this together. Like she said, we worked in partnership. Part of it, you know, I did. And then she came up with this idea. And we thank her for doing this. And Darla decorated the table. So if you see her, you can tell her how lovely they are. And I will challenge you to really take this seriously. Because I think that this is the season God wants us to walk through. Thank you. So I get to come up here. First of all, we have to give glory to God because let me tell you, I can do nothing without him. And when I went to prayer on this, you know, the ideas come. You know, we always have like a visionary in the group. You know, Carol, Amelie, and I, it's usually not me, the visionary. I just want you to know that. Not right now. I'm praying for that gift. And um, somebody comes up with that idea, and, and the Lord just takes us, you know, each part of each, each one of us brings a, a, a piece in the Lord. As I was praying, he said, um, you guys, like in a machine, we're a cog, and it won't go forward without all three of us, And um, which gave me a lot of peace because I was uh, kind of freaking out. And so, because <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit had given me this idea for the prayer journal and um, walking it forward and, and really write, writing down the thoughts that he was giving me and the, and the structure to it was, it really, after I got over myself, um, it came pretty simple. But I want to uh, explain a couple things to you. We we're going we're gonna to go through the journal. We want to explain it to you so you're not left high and dry. But, um, you know, Amelie said that, you know, God has called us to the next step and that prayer is the way into his presence and drawing us closer into his throne room. And I just thought about this is as we're in his throne room, we're in his presence, then we see from his perspective. We, we see kingdom-minded. We're kingdom-minded then. And, you know, we, we understand that he died to give us a place of position. And that's part of the chair. The chair represents purple being that royalty, that place of position. But it's a place to come away with him, but it's a place 
for us to also know and understand who we are in Christ and how when we pray, like, you know, Jack Hayford said, you know, it boggles our mind that, you know, he won't. He, he can, but he won't unless we pray. So we have a position. And um, yesterday the Lord showed me that Jesus was, you know, as, as he would go on about ministering, and he'd walk about his day. He would withdraw all the time. But as he withdraw, it also says that he only saw and did, he only did what he saw the Father doing. So as we draw away to, to be with God, that's what we're looking for. You know, the, fa the Father's will. How do you want us to pray? And I encourage you to find a, a, a quiet place to spend this focus time. Now, I know it's difficult. I, had, I have four boys. I had, it was difficult. Um, when the kids were younger especially. But I, one thing I want to make very clear, this is designed, and the Holy Spirit places very heavily in my heart. This does not work if you do one day or two days a week. It's not designed that way. It's not something to check off the box of your spiritual checklist. You know, prayer, oh, I read my scripture, oh, check. It's not designed that way. The Holy Spirit was very clear, and it doesn't take long. That's what's great. One thing he also placed on our hearts was simplicity. It, it does, only takes the Holy Spirit to a millisecond, you know. For, for He's in your presence always, right? But it only takes him a millisecond once you bring your attention to him. It's really about us, isn't it? So if you turn to page one, I'm not going to read through this, but I encourage you to read the beginning of this. It, it, um, it explains a few things. And then um, I'm going to go through this. So day one really is, it's called reflect. It's a mirror moment. This is a time to reflect within. How does the scripture that you're reading make you feel? Now let me explain something. Let me kind of go back a little bit. When you turn to page, let's turn to page four, or excuse me, six, and instead of going over the list in the front, it's better to go over the actual page. So page six, it says reflect. You have weekly reading at the top. Some weeks it will be one whole psalm, which 63 is not that long. Um, some weeks it'll be several. But that is your daily, it says weekly reading, but that is your daily reading. You're going to read that every day, whenever you can, in the car, at a stoplight, no. <laughs> I was just thinking in the car are you going to do that but, but in wherever you can you know when you're watching the kids play at the park whatever you can do but you're going to read Psalm 63 this week every day and then you're going to take today's verses which is 1 and 2 and you're going to read that and you're going to have a mirror moment with, your, with you through the word of God you're going to see yourself through the word of God because um when I went to the Lord, I, I kind of argued with him about this, by the way. It was funny because I was like, Lord, but your word says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything will be added. Should we start with just seeking you first? And he's like, yeah, but you've got to get past yourself. You have to see yourself with truth. And as the word says, you need to, when, we, when we're putting on our armor, we gird our waist with truth first because we need to understand who we are. And sometimes that's the biggest obstacle. So he wants us to do a mirror moment, which is 
You're looking at yourself through the word of God. You're saying, oh, God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. You're, you're thinking about your thoughts in this. How do I see myself in this scripture? What do I feel? You're writing down now the dialogue that you're having with the Lord. That's what a prayer journal is. You're writing down your thoughts, your feelings, what you see, what you don't see, whatever it may be. It can only, it, you don't even have to write, don't write a, a book, okay? Don't try to set out and, and sit there for, you know, just make it simple. And then from that day, you're going to have a takeaway. So what did you get from today's dialogue? Even a couple lines, what do you see? What's your takeaway for that day? And then day two, you're going to do, you're going to read Psalm 63 again. And then you're going to pull out the two verses that we have highlighted here. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Lord, do I really follow close behind you? I'm seeking you, Lord, on this. Lord, it says here that your right hand upholds me. Do I believe that? I'm seeking you. Lord, I seek you, and I want to see you in this, you know? Whatever it may be, and you're writing down your thoughts. What does the scripture say about God? Does it give you a new view of him? Um, It's to help you discover and seek to know him better. So that's what day two, you do the takeaway again. Then day three, turn to page eight. Then it's a response. Now you're going to, again, read Psalm 63, and then you're going to read 3 and 5. And in response to reading that, what does the scripture prompt you to say to God as you read it? What's the appropriate response? Repentance, surrender, adoration, praise, or something else? Maybe you're angry. That's okay. And I encourage you to do this out loud because there's power in the tongue. He can read our thoughts. He can read whatever you're writing. That's not a problem. It's more sometimes more about what you need to say out loud and hear yourself sometimes. But there is power in the tongue. So I encourage you to do that out loud. Write your takeaway at the bottom. Then you go to day four, and it's action. Again, you read 63, Psalm 63, and then you, these two verses we've put here. And it says, show him. Show him some way. And what does it prompt you? This scripture, as we look at this, I mean, in the scripture itself, it says, um, but those who are plotting to destroy me will come to my ruin. They will go down in the depths of the earth. What, what is that response in an action? Do you, do you feel humbled by the Lord because in, in the presence of the Lord because you know the enemy has no power over it? Or are you scared? You know, All those feelings, anything that's going on in that time with the Lord, be real. And then you're going to respond. You're going to, I mean, you're going to action. You're going to show them. Do you, after you read it, does this scripture prompt you to do physically? When you think about God, when you respond, what's the appropriate response? Do you kneel, uh, raise your hands, pray in the spirit? Or maybe sometimes we just need to be still and listen. So that's a physical reaction to what you're reading. And after you spend some time doing this, journal what your experience is and do your takeaway again. Now, on day five, it's different. Because as the Lord showed me, each one of these was kind of like if you were to walk around the chair. You know, you're 
mirror moment. You're seeking him. You're responding. Now you're showing an action, and now you're sitting down in the presence of the Lord. It's, 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 a, it's a movement towards him. So now in the presence of the Lord, you reflect on the last four days. You take all four takeaways, and you reflect on those things. What is God showing you? Do you see a pattern here? Is there a theme? Write down and journal about that, and then you're going to write a prayer based on what God is showing you in this time. And when you do that, now this is not supposed to be a a five-day-a-week thing. This is a a seven-day-a-week. So you're going to take that prayer into day six and seven. We're not asking you to journal six and seven. We're not asking you to do any more than that. We're just asking you to take that same prayer that the Lord's revealing to you through your week. Now, the, the, the hope in all of this, because I was like, Lord, wait, but the vision that you gave Amelie and the understanding you gave Carol, and, and this, how does that, and he's like, because when you get into this place with me, all things are possible. And you're going to have, in addition to this, you're going to pray throughout the day. If your prayer life is rich, and, and, you've, and you have lots of people that are texting you on the phone or whatever and saying, girl, pray for me, I'm not feeling well, whatever you're going to notice that this is just about you and God, and it, but it's going to get you into that place of presence with him. Your prayer life will change. So let me pray over you because we, we do nothing without it. We do nothing with pra- prayer, without prayer around here. And so, Lord, first of all, I just thank you, Lord, that you desire to reveal yourself to us. You desire for us to be close. Lord, you died to be close to us, to draw us nearer. And so we know from that, Lord, that we, you're willing. So, Lord, I pray over each one of the women here today and those who are listening on the podcast, Lord, that, Lord, as they draw closer and deeper into relationship with you, as they journal, Lord God, that you will open their eyes to the unseen. You will, Father God, break things that have to be broken, Lord God. You, Lord God, will heal places that need to be healed. And, Lord, we are excited about what you're about to do. And I pray over each one of these women right now, Lord, for hearts that are open ears, Father God, that all our senses are brought into this time in this in the, at this season, Lord God. And I even ask, Lord God, because I keep on feeling like, Lord, there's some who are concerned about time. Lord, make time. Time is in your hands, Father God. You bend time, Father. You created it. Lord, I praise you and thank you for what you're going to do and how women are going to see that they have spent five minutes with you, and in your economy, Lord God, it's going to be 15 to an hour, 15 minutes to an hour, Lord. It's going to be multiplied. So, Lord, I thank you for this season. I thank you, Lord God, that we are going to see major breakthrough, and I thank you, Lord God, that we as women, Lord God, are going to be uh, powerful in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, girl.